everybody. Welcome to another episode of Shakti Waves Radio, broadcasting epic dives into greatness with your host, Shakti Sanya, or Sanya, depending on what language you speak. I'm a lot of different things. And beyond a single title or belief, I'm the founder and CEO of Shakti Sanya and Shakti Brand. I'm here to support and celebrate conscious entrepreneurship and to bring your greatness into the world. That's what this podcast is all about. We're always deep, never shallow. Grab your board, the surf is ready, and let's dive in. Hello, everybody. I have such a special episode of Shockwaves Waves Radio for you today. I know that I said that I was mostly going to be interviewing women, but I also want to interview epic men that get what sacred feminine work is and what sacred masculinity is all about. And I think we need to hear more about it. And so I have for you my beautiful soul brother, former roommate, like literally brother from so many lifetimes. And we met, we're like, we've known each other for hundreds and hundreds of years. How fun. Um, we used to live together in Victoria. He now lives on a sailboat, which he manifested rather quickly. We'll tell you all about that. He's also a coach. He's just an epic, epic man here to be a transitional and performance coach for men and women and epic humans alike. It is my soul brother, Brad Eads. Welcome, Brad. Thank you, Sonia. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be a part of your podcast. I've been listening to them for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to have my first podcast with you. I know this is your first ever podcast interview and Brad also wants to create a podcast. So I'm super excited about that. So I'm excited for you all to hear his story. And as you know, my podcast always start with what is your origin story? How did you get to here living on a sailboat and becoming a coach? Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about, especially your background in athletics and being an athletic coach? Yeah, sounds great. Um, where to begin? I guess we'll start. Um, I'm originally from Ontario. I grew up in Ontario. Um, some of my main sports were definitely alpine ski racing. Uh, and I would guess I would have to say uh, probably my, my uh, cycling endeavors. Um, and I grew up racing uh, skiing since I was about, well, I started skiing when I was two and started ski racing when I was eight. Whoa. Um, raced up until I was about 20. Uh, had aspirations to go to the Olympics. Didn't quite make it, thankfully. Uh, and turned into a coach. Uh, where I spent about six, seven years um, coaching through Ontario, uh, where I fell in love with coaching and working with others. Mm -hmm. uh, and funny enough, uh, when I didn't actually quite make it as, a, as an athlete, I found that I, made a, I felt I made a much better coach than, a, than an athlete. So I felt quite mm -hmm. fortunate to, uh, to have ended up where I did. Tell us about that. Like, what did you do as a ski coach? Because I think a lot of people, like I remember when you were, Bradley did the most amazing thing. And he drove me when I was moving back to Alberta, he drove me out my complete hero. He also moved all of my stuff down three flights of stairs into the moving truck. So, you know, that athleticism came in handy. Um, but I remember you telling me about what that was like, like going all around the world and doing intense ski races and being stuck in blizzards and having to get gear and guys two places, four races. Tell us about that whole world. Cause I don't know that people know how intense it was. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was an incredible world. Um, I, uh, I worked with the Ontario ski team and Ontario men's development program for a number of years. And then later on worked for a year with the, uh, the Ontario Southern division team, which is kind of a feeder team into the Ontario uh, ski team system. Um, and which meant we pretty much were working with athletes 
for the better part of 12 months a year. Mm. Uh, so it was full time. Age was about 16 to 20, I would say, 2022. Uh, and I predominantly worked with uh, with the male team for the, the better part of my time as a ski coach. Uh, and it was it was a fun ride. I mean, there are tons of unpredictable variables. I mean, you're constantly ch- chasing snow from continent to continent. Um, and you're doing this with uh, a group of young men in their late teenage years. Yeah. Um, and you're traveling the world. And you're. it's also you are, you know, for us and the staff that I worked with, we were always trying to create a team dynamic and an individual sport. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, wow. Because we spent so much time on the road and so much time together, um, you know, these guys had to basically balance their academic life, their social life, uh, and their, their athletic lives all while going through high school mm. um, and all trying to keep or all keeping grades up so they could go to university. Wow. Um, so there was a lot of growing to be done and to do so. And then on top of that, I mean, these guys are also living uh, out of a bag for the better part, sometimes four or five, up to four or five weeks. Uh, on the road away from home so when uh, we would stay in condos as much as we could or apartments so a lot of the times we would be uh, cooking our own meals mm-hmm. cleaning up our kitchens um, you know taking our garbage and recycling doing our laundry along with doing their studies their physical training um, maintaining their equipment uh, and supporting each other so it was uh, it was a, a ride of, un, uh, of unpredictable um, challenges I guess mm. What do you think was your biggest lesson from training like young men as they're growing into adulthood, doing an extreme sport, being away from home and having to balance all of that? Like, is there a real moment that stands out for you in that world? I, to be honest, there's so many moments. I learned so much from that. I mean, I was in my early 20s, so I was growing as a young man with these guys. And I think the biggest thing I, I learned was uh, there's always something to be learned. Mm-hmm. And we, I felt like uh, I was like, even today, I'm so grateful. I feel like I was always continually learning something new uh, from the group I work with. And mm-hmm. I feel I was very fortunate. Uh, I, I feel like I, I had the, 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 uh, the opportunity to work with some incredible, not only just some incredible young men, um, but some incredible families as well, mm-hmm. their support systems. And, and along with uh, some of the, the career coaches that I actually got to work with right off the bat, mm-hmm. uh, really helped kind of um, groom the trail or, or help me kind of um, help support me in um, being as, you know, being as good a coach as I could be. Right. So I was very, I felt very fortunate for everyone I had around me and everyone that those I was working with had around them as well. We had a great, uh, we had a really good support system with us. Mm. So what I actually hear in what you're saying is a lot of people who are athletic coaches, like it's really just on the field, on the hill, on the mountain, but you were with these with your teammates and with your guys all the time. So you were their life coach. Like you were, you know, helping them like do their errands, like deal with girls and drama and between each other and their personal, like you were with them throughout their lives while they were with you. Right. So I feel like you almost became a life coach before maybe life coaching even was a thing. Funny enough, we actually used to joke that we were more life, more of life coaches than ski coaches. Mm-hmm. But and to be honest, that was the biggest attraction for me. I mean, when I kind of stopped ski racing, or sorry, when I, um, well, yeah, I see when I stopped ski racing and even into, especially halfway through coaching, uh, I, I personally lost my own passion at the time to to ski. Mm-hmm. Um, but I absolutely loved the coaching world. And I love my relationship with my athletes, with my team. I loved sharing a a common goal together and trying to partner together to work to achieve uh, a set goal. Mm -hmm. And the beauty in it for me was, excuse me, the relationship that the bond and the relationship that we had. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and I feel like we always kind of set, I personally always try to set a standard uh, where uh, I expected my athletes to show up and work hard. Mm-hmm. And I expected myself to work harder than them. Wow. So I would work as hard as I could to try to set the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to, you know, always have athletes that responded well and, and um, jumped on board. And those guys worked, uh, worked about as hard as I, harder than I did as an athlete. That's for sure. Wow. So it was, it was beautiful. It was a great time. That's awesome. So what happened after that? Like what happened after coaching? Um, and you did that for six years and then, and then what happened? Where did the trajectory go? Yeah, I was there for about six, seven years. Uh, I absolutely loved it at the time. I thought I was going to be a, I felt I was going to be a career coach, ski coach. Um, and, uh, just kind of life happened. And I had never really taken an actual break from being an ath- full-time athlete to being a full-time coach. I mm-hmm. went from one world into the next, uh, which meant my world had been very consistent schedule. Um, as consistent as it can be in the ski racing world right. for the better or more than a decade. And I kind of hit a turning point in my life where I had an opportunity to um, kind of take off and move out West. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I needed to explore a different part of my life uh, for at least a year or two to give it a shot. So I finished up my contract with the, with the, with my, the, my last program that I was working with. Um, and on April 15th, when my contract had ended, uh, right my, duties your were, yeah, my duties were complete. Uh, my girlfriend and I at the time um, packed up my truck and we uh, drove across the country. Okay. And we moved to Whistler. And I mean, what a crazy adventure that was. Even when I was leaving to drive across the country, I think I didn't even have my house rented until the day we left. <laughs> and we actually ended up, I ended up actually being able to um, to sign a contract to have renters moved in the day I was actually driving out. But I was so hell-bent on leaving and, and kind of blazing a new trail for myself mm-hmm. that nothing was going to hold me back. And I, uh, <laughs> I took off without, I was planning on taking off without even having my, my house rented or anything. Wow. Because I just felt that the time was now and I had to go. Yeah. So this is some full throttle Aries energy, everybody. <laughs> In case you don't know what Aries are like, this is Brad. Yeah. Um, he is an Aries and proud of it. And that is quintessential. Like joking aside, we actually, I actually learned a lot about astrology while Brad and I were living together. We would watch videos. He got this book that we read together. We were kind of learning it together. And then I just kind of developed fully further on it. And we were using it a lot to understand ourselves and our relationships at the time. And that was really beautiful that you were actually part of that path with me. Um, and what we realized is, um, that like you having that Aries mentality, it's like, you see that you have to go and you do something and here's a transition. You were doing something for a decade, ski race world, and then boom, you're going to go to Whistler, which is still very mountain oriented, right? Still very like extreme and excellence of mountaineering and skiing, but you needed to leave. And that's how divine providence works, right? Like all of a sudden the day you left, you got to have your house rented. And that's kind of the joy and the beauty of Aries energy when you take action and you're a leader in your own life and blaze that trail often like miracles and bounty just comes your way um so i'd love for you to speak a little bit more about what that was like like what was your life like in whistler and then to the point where you moved out to victoria yeah my life in whistler was great i loved it i met uh an an incredible group of humans uh whistler's a place that a lot of people i'm sure are familiar with it's not a cheap place to live you know you live there by choice and for a reason uh, and it was a really cool place for me to um, be a little bit self-indulgent, especially in my hobbies. I mean, I learned to, I rekindled my passion for skiing there mm-hmm. again. 
which was incredibly beautiful. I mean, it's just something that's a huge part of my family. Um, I also raced mountain bikes highly competitively for the better, for at least six, six to eight years, mm-hmm. highly competitive. And that was another thing in my twenties when I was coaching, I kind of had just part, I'd had enough with, I just moved on to other um, hobbies. And that was another thing that I kind of rekindled my love for cycling, which was great. Uh, and even the people I, I worked with, I found there, especially there, I was uh, working as a carpenter. And uh, I found even the group of men that I worked with as, as, a, as a carpenter, those guys were there with a purpose. You know, everyone showed up happy and eager to be at work. Mm-hmm. And everyone was happy to live in Whistler. And yeah. everyone was doing, all, everyone had a purpose. Everyone had things that they were doing outside of work. Uh, and there was more of a uh, work to live lifestyle there than a live to work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, um, it was pretty eye-opening. And it was also pretty... It was a big transition for me to actually permit myself time to enjoy the sports mm. and the hobbies and the lifestyle that I wanted to right. um, for myself. It was also a big learning curve. It was the first time in my life where I actually had an open schedule right. where I wasn't fitting in my hobbies around ski mm-hmm. projects and going from country to country. Yeah. I actually had 12 months of the year where I could do whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. And for the first year or two, I didn't really know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so was, well, yeah, you went from schedule to complete freedom. Right? Yeah, it, it was a big learning curve. Um, but even that, that in itself was super fun to be able to, you know, plan to do a camping trip or to go here and to not be confined by um, a fixed schedule. So it was pretty, it was pretty powerful. That's really awesome. Well, I'm looking at, so in our, in our coach training, we were both um, accomplishment coaching trained coaches and some, a tool that we use there is to talk about our essence. So like who we are as a person and our essence is described by five words and Bradley happens to have his right in front of us. I'm going to show them. Is that okay? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Brad's essence and also his life purpose, which I happen to help him figure out. No problem. I helped him figure out his life purpose. I can do the same for you. He can also do the same for you. We're both trained in how to do that. So your essence is brilliance, adventure, heart, earth, inspiration. And what I really hear and what you just described is a lot of adventure, earth, and inspiration. Mm -hmm. So do you want to speak to, because I experience you as like a man connected to the earth, moving with the earth, literally physically with the sports that you do. So talk a little bit about, you know, what some would consider like kind of extreme sports or like extreme ability to be in elements and to be sporting. Um, Totally. I will. And I just quickly want to touch base on that. Yes, Sonia did help me create my purpose, which I believe is harmony. Yes. I didn't believe in it at the time. I thought it was crazy. Yeah. You're um, like, well, whatever, girl. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> it was super fun. It was, I found it very empowering. And then afterwards, when I actually went to the accomplishment coaching program and did it again, I actually tried to give my purpose away to someone who I felt yeah. was better suited to. Yeah. You, you can have harmony yeah. as a life purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. She turned it down. And then I ended up coming back to harmony and um, couldn't be more grateful for. And I feel like even the way I, I showed up as a coach a lot of time with my athletes mm-hmm. in the ski world was trying to keep, create a kind of a harmonious team environment that we could all live and excel, excel in and kind mm-hmm. of take from the environments what we needed. Absolutely. So I just wanted to thank you for that. And I thought that's a funny little, uh, something I'll always hold on to. But, right? Just casually, she, she helped me figure out my life yeah. purpose. I'm, I'm not, you know. No big deal. No big deal. I'm going to not take that to my head or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're so cheeky. <laughs> um, so yeah, talk to us about earth adventure. Yeah, totally. Um, I would say, I mean, this goes right back to even my, my days coaching and as an athlete in the ski world. Uh, one of the big things for ski racing for me that makes it such a, a an intriguing 
and um, difficult sport is that you're always dealing with um, with variables that are forever changing mm-hmm. in weather, like be it the weather, um, snow conditions, course conditions, um, even getting into the start gate and having a, a, a delay in front of you for maybe an athlete goes down in front of you or even course repairs. There's all these things that can alter your approach to this, to the, to the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've taken that with a lot of my sports where I've always kind of, always kind of say, you know, um, focus on only what is in your control and everything that's beyond or outside of your control, try to re- do your best to release mm-hmm. um, because there's no sense worrying about it. And so, yeah, I've got a lot of personal hobbies. I've, I did a ton of backcountry skiing in Whistler, which I absolutely loved. And of course there, you know, you're going out in the backcountry with a team of, a team of, of, of athletes or people, and you are um, basically assessing the risk factors as you go. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're watching the weather, you're watching the snow conditions and the snowpack and wind loading and all these, all these things that you're constantly looking for. And a lot of times when you're, when you're going on such an adventure, um, you might set a, a goal of skiing a certain face or a certain mountain, certain peak. And when you get there, you f- might find either the weather shifts and it's no longer safe. Mm-hmm. Or even there was a, a different weather system was actually came through than forecasted. And that aspect is no longer safe for you to go. Yeah. And so having the, the willpower and the, the, I guess the community or the union to actually assess the situation and say, yes, we go mm-hmm. and, um, or no, we don't. Mm-hmm. And it's always risk management. And I think that's a lot of the same with, I'm a big surfer, big kite surfer. You know, we're always working with swells, tides, currents, winds, um, you know, what, what the, what mother nature's throwing at us and, um, I, I'm a diver as well. Same thing. You're always kind of mitigating the risk and trying to harness the power of mother nature, um, to use it to your benefit. Right. So I think that there's a beautiful metaphor there with life in general, like what you have to learn from surfing, kiting, diving, biking, snowboarding, skiing, like is a metaphor for life. So how would you relate like how you look at the tides for going out for a windsurfing session, which I would see you do every day. You're like looking at the wind report and the wave report and you're like, I got to go with Sonia and he's off. Um, how would you relate that to life and to coaching? Yeah, to be honest, that's probably why I'm living on a sailboat right now. Uh, I think that um, I know for myself, there's sometimes I get so indebted in fulfilling a goal um, or a, a set achievement that no matter what, I'll, I'll persevere and I will make it happen. And I think one of the biggest things I've been learning through my hobbies, especially through the diving and the surfing world, is that if you don't have the, the forces or the factors that you need, there's nothing that you can do about it. You have to wait. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think within life uh, and a journey that I've been learning and trying to really appreciate and permit some grace is that not everything goes as planned. Yeah. You know? and, and it's sometimes, even when things don't go as planned, there can be a lot of goodness that comes from... Um, paying attention to what is so and being willing to adapt on the fly. Mm. Um, And I think sometimes if we can release our control over the outcome, um, which really isn't in our control, but focus our more of our attention and our energy on the process of getting there, Mm -hmm. then not only can we take more pride and joy in the process um, that, uh, and then we are, then we're also open to be able to kind of divert and switch gears. Mm -hmm. And I think the other part is sometimes once you get into the process, especially if it's a longer, a bigger goal or dream, Sometimes by the end of it, um, you're you're actually where you actually want to end up might not be exactly where it was when you started this journey. Absolutely. And I think the beauty is when you invest yourself in the process is as you grow and change through, um, 
you can actually change where you want to end up mm. and what you actually want to come of your, of your work. Yes. So I love that. So yeah. what you're speaking to is like the process and the journey, not the results, because where you might end up actually could be far greater than what you dreamed of, right? When you get diverted and you allow yourself to be adaptable. And that's really, for me, my metaphor and my feminine teachings is always like, being with the divine mystery, being with divine orchestration, divine timing, that co-creation, or even like the feminine mystery of life. Mm -hmm. And eagle medicine always teaches us to expect and see beyond our highest expectations, right? So eagle visioning, and it's like very much a leadership totem animal, is to look at, and we connect a lot to hawks, and it's very similar hawk energy. And we'll tell you the story of the hawks um, in a little bit, but we'll talk about that next, let's say. And... It's about being able to see where you want to go and the direction you want to go to. And one of my friends who works a lot with animal medicine and she wrote a book called Open Me that's absolutely amazing. Her name's Leanne. She said that she was getting connected to an eagle and she was like, oh, well, eagles always know where they want to go. Like they always know the direction that they're going when they head out. But if they always landed on the exact branch that they intended to land on, think about how many meals they'd miss. Think about how many random traffic encounters they'd have with like, you know, like another bird or a pole or a tree, right? It doesn't give them the chance to adapt and then end up where they're meant to be, which might be even far greater than they thought, right? They might even find a much better watering hole. So that's kind of the metaphor that I'm picking up on there is to both have your vision and your set direction, but allow yourself to be guided to something even greater, which is like the best part of life. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that, I really think that where you're at now, living on a sailboat, being a coach is a part of that. Like, you know, you couldn't have imagined that you'd be here, but you had a vision and a direction and this is where it's led you. And obviously there's so much more beyond, but we don't know what that's going to be like and look like. Um, but why don't we talk a little bit about you becoming a coach and that conversation that we had when you saw the hawk? Totally. They're eagles. And they were, but we saw the hawk first and then we saw eagles we together. Did. Yeah. You're so right. both eagle, hawk and eagle energy was present well and too i think with the eagles too especially eagles hawks is very similar but eagles for me as well they also speak to the the what we were talking about with flow and sometimes um allowing uh what is going on to to kind of show its cards or to play out mm -hmm. um and if you notice eagles have a tendency to always land in the highest branch and they are always known to have the greatest vision mm -hmm. and i think part of that is sometimes allowing um life to kind of unfold a little bit so you can actually choose uh, the better option. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think a perfect example is, and we'll get into this later, but this sailboat is a perfect example of that. But time when you and I um, left our last place of living, I had about a good month and a half, two months of in between of myself looking for a place to live. Yeah. And had I not permitted myself that time and grace in order to do so, to find a, a really good fit for myself, um, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't be living on a boat right now. Yeah. So I you think that, that time, yeah, yeah, being willing to sit with that time and, and actually create an, another option for myself is actually resulted in this boat. Yeah. Which is pretty incredible. But so I guess to bring it back even to the Hawks and the Eagles, um, Sonia here, she was a key factor. The main person that really enrolled me and opened my eyes to the world of uh, ontological coaching, mm -hmm. uh, which has been profound my last two years in this journey. Um, but very very interesting enough, I was midway through recovering from a pretty severe injury. Um, and that's partly what led me to moving to Victoria. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found myself walking through a street festival here in Victoria. Um, I always call on it summer solstice. On summer solstice. It couldn't have been more yeah. divine. 
<laughs> on summer solstice. And as I was walking through, I mean, I've always been a coach. I was kind of thinking about returning to the coaching realm in some way or some shape or form. And as I was kind of walking through the street festival and I, I just had one, our, our one shoulder surgery, I think, or I don't know if my first or my second, but I think you were still in a sling. Yeah, I was in a sling. So it could have been after my second. No, it was actually, it was, must've been after my first surgery because I was still in a sling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had two surgeries on my right shoulder. Um, but anyways, as I was walking through this festival, I saw this tent that said accomplishment coaching, you know, uh, a, a life coach and leadership um, development program. And I kind of went, Oh, what is this? And so as I kind of walked by, I did so from the safety of the crowd and I kind of peered at the tent just so I could kind of see what they were all about. Um, but while still staying safe in the crowd and Sonia here, I believe was wearing a, a dress, a dolphin dress. And she, uh, and I had Hawkeyes that day. Yeah, She said, Hey, you, um, you want to come talk to me? I won't bite. And I was like, all right. I not? think what I said was, are you going to stand there? Or are you going to come talk to me? But I think you said something to the effect that I promise I won't bite. <laughs> and I was like, all right, sure. Stop. Let's see what this is about. Oh my gosh. I'm turning so red over here. Anyway, so we, we connected and we, she told me about the accomplishment coaching program that, um, she'd been in and what it meant to her mm-hmm. and it really intrigued me. And, and, you know, she kind of said, Hey, you know, by the way, we do, um, what would you call it when you can come and sit in op- like observation? Yeah, you can come and observe the yeah, training, an which o- is cool that they let people do that. Yeah. It's very cool. And she said, you know, if you want, I've got a list here. I can sign you up right now for, her. and immediately my reaction was like, pull back. Yeah. Like no way. No. <laughs> <laughs> let me, I'm going to inspect this from afar yeah. Yeah. before I do anything. Mm-hmm. But then I had this sudden urge of like, you know, like it's kind of like this inner voice that said, Hey, like, you know, you've been looking for something different. Mm-hmm. You know, I am a coach. Why not explore this Avenue? Yeah. And so I did something bold and something I actually didn't think I would do is I signed up right then and there to yeah. go to this um, free observation. Yeah. And I remember walking away from that thinking, what the hell did I just do? There's no way I'm going to that. <laughs> Which in, in long story short, I did go. It was incredible. Uh, and that's actually, I took the, uh, the, the workshop in the afternoon, which I think is called uh, um, Power Tools. For living. For living the next year, year life, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. That's where um, kind of we helped create my, my life purpose which yes. I still use today. Army. Uh, which I, I totally align with and I embody mm-hmm. um, as best I can. You do. You create so much harmony. Mm-hmm. And this really sounds like it's a major um, selling feature for accomplishment coaching. And like I've said before, I don't get anything. We don't get anything from talking about accomplishment coaching, but it really is a very rigorous and awesome coach training program. So if you have questions about it, you can always reach out to me or I can connect you with people. They have programs in Canada and the U.S. So if you're curious about coaching, I recommend that you search out a lot of different programs and find the one that resonates for you Um, because there's so many coaches, but in my opinion, there's not a lot of very well-trained coaches. And uh, I'm all about coaching, having a lot of integrity behind it. And obviously coach, coach Brad was already a coach before, and now you added on this extra layer. So tell me about like what Well, first talk to me about the Hawks. Cause yeah, we need okay, to talk. So we, we need, need to, to tell there. the people about the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, after going through this, I, uh, after going through the, the observation, observation mm-hmm. in the workshop, I was absolutely blown away. Excuse me. I was absolutely blown away. I couldn't believe the power in the room. And I, I honestly, I'm not selling this program. Uh, it's just, this was actually just, hundred percent my experience of the program and I was really wanted to sign up and I'll be upfront. It's not a cheap program. It no. is a very expensive program. 
Um, and for me, I tend to really reason with a lot of the logical side of my brain in a lot of senses. Um, and yeah. I had, especially when it comes to money yeah. and I had a lot of, um, resistance to committing to a program and committing just to such a, so much, just, just so much money that I really I didn't overly have, mm-hmm. especially considering that I was in the middle of a, Enjoy. what is now over a two year recovery. Yeah. Um, and you weren't um, able to work as a more, carpenter. Yeah, I wasn't able yeah. to work as a carpenter and, uh, it's been quite the journey. So I was really hesitant to part with what money that I had. Yeah. Um, when knowing that I'm not able to, what I wasn't able to work full time at the time. Well, let's like talk about that as a risk. Cause I know a lot of people, they want to change their life. They want to go live an adventurous life. They want to go live their life purpose. Right. Which is why they'll usually hire a coach, but money is a factor, right? And for you, like you had that really serious injury that really took you out, like from this extreme sportsman that you, you're like a behemoth physically. It's just nuts. Like I cannot compete with this human being, nor do I want to. Um, and then you were really like, you couldn't work and you've still been recovering. You're still not like, you're still, even to this day, you're not at like a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. No, I'm still going through physio and chiropractor and, and kind of, uh, um, getting back to where I was mm-hmm. um, physically, it's still going to be a journey and we'll see, we'll see where I get to. But yeah. the, the beauty really was, so going through all this, I had so much resistance and um, to signing, departing with all this money. And I, you know, I think we probably, I think Sonia and I talked about the program for the better part of a month, month and a month or so, month and a half. And yeah. I was in, I was out, I was in, I was out, I was so in. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm out. I can't do this. <laughs> uh, and then it got to the point where, um, I decided I was going to be in and the deciding factor for me was one. I, I decided that, um, I had missed coaching from the day I left it. Yeah. Um, I, that was probably, that's probably one of my favorite parts of my life. Um, the people I work with, I mean, when I get messages from some of these guys to this day, it, li- it lights me up. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll smile for a good week after I get a message. I mean, that was such a beautiful part of my life and I kind of, I want to get back into the coaching, but I don't necessarily want to do it under the same um, constraints as I was doing before. Yeah. Um, and I want to kind of bring it into a new light. Um, and so I kind of at that time decided that, yes, I wanted to go into some sort of life coaching. Um, and then it became a question of how, and I felt at the time that that program for me was everything I needed. One personally, I felt like I needed a tremendous amount of transition and growth in my own personal world. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I felt like the structure was going to give me, um, because with the program, you get a coach, that you work with your own personal coach every week for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so the accountability between the team, that the participants that you work with, that you're in the class with, and your own personal coaches and the leadership team, um, I was so aligned with. Yeah. But then every time it came back to the money. Mm-hmm. And so the deciding factor for me was uh, I knew I wanted to be a life coach. And when I was looking at other training options or training programs that were not, uh, less ex- a lot less expensive, I really realized that to have the structure and the – the growth that I felt I needed as a man mm-hmm. in order to serve other men and other well, other people, but especially other men, mm-hmm. I needed to go through something rigorous. Yeah. And I came down to a simple question was, uh, am I going to let a dollar figure um, dictate how I want to create the foundation for the rest of my life? Yeah. Or for at least the next, you know, the next, the next chapter of my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I really thought hard about that, I thought, no, you mm-hmm. know, um, Money is something that I definitely, you know, I, I, like everyone, we have our own personal beliefs around it. Um, something I can be, you know, scared or frugal with or frivolous with, depending on what I want. Yeah. Um, and 
uh, I really felt that this was going to be a service to myself. So when I kind of came to that question, I decided, you know what, if this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to serve people and kind of uh, recreate myself. Mm -hmm. Money doesn't matter. I yeah. can make money. I've made money my entire life. Yeah. Um, so I, I decided to go in and when I decided to sign up, it was great. I was like, Sonia, I need your help. Like I am terrified. I'm shaking. Like I can't even fill out the online form. And she's yeah. like, listen, gave me this awesome, uh, recommendation. She said, why don't you come join me and we'll go for a walk around this beautiful lake by where, um, where she was living and where I would end up living for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's like, why don't we go and do this, sign you up um, at a park bench uh, on the side of a lake in this quiet, quaint, beautiful, little serene spot. Yeah. And so that's what we did. We went for a walk. We talked it out. Um, we got to the spot and we pulled out a laptop, got on a phone. And then, actually, we pulled out a laptop and we couldn't even do it online. The, the online um, oh, yeah, system, the payment wasn't even, system, wasn't the payment working. system wasn't even working. So like working. every single thing that would be like, <laughs> stop, I'm afraid, I'm scared, right? Like everything was coming at you. So he, like, I think what, what you're really sharing here is like how when you really want something and you feel it's there for you, you're going to get a ton mm -hmm. of resistance. Like that's when you're going to get the tests, right? Yeah. Like, is this really for you? And that's where you go back in to yourself and your own knowledge like yep this is it mm -hmm. this is for me so even like to the last minute <laughs> yeah and to me that time a lot of time is i feel like when you're kind of on the cusp of something great you mm -hmm. get a lot of you get a lot of resistance yep and so for me now that i had made that decision and i wasn't going to let money get in the way of me creating what was next for me yeah um even when they couldn't sign up on the computer i mean I, a part of me wanted to be like oh can't do it now we'll do it later right yeah. give myself an escape and it was like no you know we can call yep. so we called and mm -hmm. we did it over the phone, yeah. um, which was awesome to kind of break through. And then, you know, a whole flood of emotions. But we decided to, as, a, as a celebration, <laughs> we decided to go for a swim in this lake. Yeah. And when we were out swimming, um, I think one of the most beautiful, one of the most magical things happened. Yeah, ever. Ever. I mean, there was, we were present that there was a bald eagle sitting in a high tree above the lake, which was in itself was incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, but once we swam mm -hmm. out to the middle of the lake, it's a small lake. Um, we looked up and this bald eagle circled us twice overhead. It was two and of them, wasn't it? I, I think there was two. Well, there was two, but one circled us for sure yeah. twice above. Twice. And the even crazier thing was, was it had a fish in its talons. Mm. You know, and then we watched this, this uh, magnificent creature soar back to uh, the tree where its nest was, where there was a second bird and actually um, brought that fish. But to me, that whole time, one, it, it, it spoke to me saying that like, Hey, you just made the choice of a life and you just chose right. Yeah. Um, that absolutely. was a, that was a big sign for me. Absolutely. And then the, uh, part of that sign was, you know, why is this, this bird circling over us twice with the food? He's already got his food, you know, he's gone back to the nest. So mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I felt like that was, I just, for me, I felt like that was kind of, uh, the universe or whatever you want to call it kind of saying, Hey, way to go. You're leveling up. You're making yeah. the right moves. And that gave me a lot of peace. Mm. Oh my gosh, that was so beyond beautiful, Brad. Like I remember I was like, Brad, the eagle circling. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, it has a fish. And I just thought that is your highest vision is like coming into abundance and you get to be fed by it. And you get to like, it's going to be worthwhile. It's going to be a bountiful, prosperous, yeah. you know, homecoming. And that was so beautiful and so beautiful. and we've we've seen so many animals we connect to animals a lot we always pull animal cards and really connect to that together when we were living together we do that all the time and we'd always see herons or like 
you always see orcas like he's just a, you know his a part of his essence is earth he's very connected to the earth um it's such a beautiful story so then you did your coach training we moved in together which was really awesome because i didn't have a roommate i needed one and i was like hey i really kind of need to live with another coach like someone who gets this and brad was just finishing up his coach training so he came yep. and lived with me and that was really awesome and beautiful and i just loved seeing you like go out surfing and be one with the elements and keep growing and learning and i think especially um, because I talk about Shakti energy and feminine energy, it was really beautiful and profound to like live with a man who I truly feel is my brother on this planet and see you grow so much in your masculinity and also your vulnerability and go through those growth patterns. Um, so I'd really love for you to talk about like what, um, you know, that growth process was like for you and even like what you think about transformation as a man. Mm. I would, it was expansive. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was actually, you know, I think it was perfect timing to, to live with you because I, I might, at that time I was totally wrestling with my own notion of spirituality and connection and what that meant uh, and what was possible. Um, and then beyond that also, you know, how do we show up as individuals in this world? You know, how can we better align to connect and support one another? And yeah, a lot of, some of that was, I would say reclaiming some of my masculinity um, and kind of learning to be a little bit more decisive in kind of what I wanted in my life and, mm -hmm. um, um, just kind of the life that I wanted to have. Yeah. And so I think between the, the spiritual side of it, um, and even the, just being willing to explore and be curious about, um, things that I was always kind of uncomfortable about, mm -hmm. um, was super exciting in itself. And I think mm. you were a huge part of that. Uh, oh, I know you were a huge part of that. <laughs> So I think we grew a lot, but I, I mean, for me, I guess, I guess that's such a big question. I don't really know how to answer that, but I would say with, with, in terms of my own masculinity, I think for me, it started to allow me the opportunity to stop identifying myself as, as a, as an athlete and as a, as a strong man physically, uh, and more look to the emotional side of what I could actually bring mm. the, in terms of the space that I can hold. Um, and the, I guess the, I guess the, the tri the turbul the turbulence that I can um um I guess ride through yeah or accept absolutely and it was really cool to start to kind of look at myself in a new light and be willing to hold myself in a new light mm-hmm mm, that's so beautiful mm -hmm. um so like your spiritual journey looking at yourself differently from like a man to like a masculine presence is like what I'm hearing so like what does divine masculinity mean for you and we both read the way of the superior man around the same time so learning and exploring these polarities the masculine the feminine what does it mean and often like i mean especially like living with me is like oh like i'm over here i'm with the moon cycles i'm having a moon i'm having a moon brad like the things i would say to this man um or like i'm having a moon ceremony you can't come home and he's like okay and he's just kind of dealing with me and being and holding the space for me um i'd love i'd love to know your perspective on like what does divine masculinity mean to you especially like what do you want other men listening to this to hear yeah i mean that's uh again it's such a big topic for me it's one that i love to dive into for me one of the biggest things for me it was and it's just a testament living with you uh is that sometimes for me one of the things that i view as masculine energy and again masculine energy can be male or female yeah i have lots of masculine energy. absolutely yeah, so i want to make that clear do. it's not mm -hmm. like i'm just speaking about men i'm speaking about masculine energy and and, and this is kind of just my take on it uh, but for me it's more of kind of on a consistent gradient where you know the highs and lows um aren't 
always as drastic or as as quickly up and down. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, at least from my experience, can kind of be in a more consistent state a lot of the time. Um, and I think, so I would say it's a little bit more, I can rationalize with reason a fair bit. Um, and I feel like the divine feminine, a lot of, a lot of times for me is pure flow and mm-hmm. creativity. I mean, you guys are the creators of life. Yeah. You guys literally create, you know, a human. It's yeah, incredible. We need some help. Like, <laughs> well, of course you need help. Yes, I get yes. that. Um, but you guys are the ones that create humans. And, uh, to me, it's so mm. beautiful, the ups and downs that go with that flow. And I think one of the things I learned with you was celebrating that. Um, and also sometimes just holding space. Yeah. You know, because sometimes, you know, you might be on cloud nine and then the next moment, um, you might not be too happy. I'm heartbroken, Bradley. <laughs> and then next he, thing, yeah. he dealt with the single Sonia. It was amazing. Sonia in a long distance relationship. Sonia in a breakup. Like, yeah. It was beautiful. And there's You're some people hanging around. Um, but the other part of it was, uh, was for me, was to, uh, to learn to kind of be able to hold some space and not to have to reason or rationalize through any of it and to actually yeah. celebrate you. Mm. you know and to celebrate the flow and i think that unpredictability um when utilized together um is is uh, it's a force to be reckoned with yeah you know it truly is a force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. like the t- the stability and the steadiness that masculine energy provides and the space it holds and then the creativity and the flow of the feminine it's the perfect yin and yang it's that complete it's like non-duality it creates such a cohesive mm-hmm. power force, right? I also got to a lot of like on the mask and like the more like the perseverance and surging forward and continuing through. Um, and then on the feminine, the creativity, the compassion, the nurturing, the loving. Um, and again, when I say this, this all goes with men and women. We both have feminine energy and masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me to actually, and you know, you have a fair bit of strong feminine energy and private uh, presence you oh, are really I I, I I look at you as as the divine feminine um and with that for me to actually be living with you while going through this was um wildly challenging and incredibly eye-opening mm. you know and at times sometimes you know you were just pure flow and going and spiritual and belief and like feeling so emotional and always like um being willing to love and compassion and offer your heart to to me to anyone Mm-hmm. Um, because you care and love humans so unapologetically, it's incredible, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And then here I was as a man half the time, or as a masculine half the time, you know, surging mm-hmm. off to go, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe it's to go surfing, maybe it's to go um, to Spear work, or fishing. where, yeah, maybe I'm going diving. Who knows what it is? But I'm just, I have a purpose, and I'm there's nothing getting in my yeah. way. Yeah, uh, and it was just a beautiful kind of balance and yeah. kind of opposites, just was, to kind of be with. It was so cool. Yeah, I'd be like, oh my God, this this person and this feeling and I've got to love them and I've got to forgive them and the grace and the mercy. And you're like, why are you spending time with this dude? <laughs> but that was also so amazing. Like you've always held it down. You've always been honest with me and held space. And um, it, it was really beautiful. Like you really helped me through some like some turbulent times because I also experienced um, like with that podcast I did. And I'm so sorry about the audio quality about that podcast that I did with Garrett about how spiritual protection is a myth and the spiritual manipulation that I experienced. Brad was actually there. Um, and he supported me through that. He supported me in integrating and healing after that. He was actually the one that saw me when I was in my most triggered 
scary state. Like he was like, what is happening for you? And he just held it down for me and was a safe container for me to share because it was not fun. And it was, it didn't feel safe for me to be in my body, to be in the world after that happened. Um, right. Cause I'd never, I haven't shared a lot openly about it, but I just, I was really naive and I didn't think that anyone used spirituality and spiritual gifts and energetic gifts to manipulate or hurt other people. I'd only seen it used to love and support and help people heal. And of course it's like anything, uh, spiritual power is like any other power. It's neutral and you can use it however you want, right? So people can use money for good or evil and people can use spirituality for good or evil. And I had to learn the hard way that that's how spirituality could be used. And I think it's actually important that I did because so many of us need to know that, especially as there's more spiritual leaders rising up. And I was so grateful that you held me in that space. Like you really were with me, like physically in that time, like hugging me, letting me cry, just like being witness to me, helping protect me um, from the people being like, yep, they, they don't need to ever come over again. And, and you even had met them and the fact that he had met them and also felt that same, like, yep, you know you don't need to be around them anymore was very powerful for me. And, uh, you know, it's something that we've been talking about a lot, especially because there's been a lot of men exposed, uh, men and women, uh, but unfortunately mostly men, um, in the spiritual community who are, you know, power predators, sexual predators, financial predators, et cetera, manipulative. And, um, we recently heard about another story from one of our friends who's also a spiritual coach about her experience with that. And I would just love for you to speak to like your thoughts on it, especially like as a spiritual man, Mm -hmm. um, what you have to say and like what, what you want to share. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I struggle with it when I hear some of these stories and when I'm present to some of the stuff that goes on. Um, I think it's highly, some of it can be highly manipulative and I think it's, it's so out of, out of alignment with my purpose as the harmony Mm -hmm. and treating others the way we want to be treated. Um, And I, I just don't like when anyone takes advantage of someone. I think it's, I think it's cruel. I think it's selfish. And I have a lot of um, passion around that. And, uh, but I will say is with that time with you, I was, I felt extremely fortunate and grateful to actually have the opportunity to one that you actually were willing to allow me to support you and to be there with you. Um, and I also felt grateful for my own journey because at that time I feel like I could have been reactionary and reacted completely differently to it. Yeah. Um, and we could have actually pretty much ended things there as roommates yeah Yeah. and instead and as friends it was actually one of the biggest growing um parts to us living together and i remember as it was going through it was a little bit chaotic but i also remember being extremely grateful that you know no longer did i really matter and what my experience of the situation really was it was more the care for you and what you had been going through and actually to hear what was actually present for you yeah um and it was such a uh, it was such a profound experience for me to actually be able to take my feelings and my experience and kind of allow it to be and not, not stuff it, but to kind of let it just kind of permit it and then let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to just solely just permit, just to give you love and just to, mm-hmm. just to be there for you and to honor um, what you've been through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt very fortunate for that opportunity. I wish it didn't have to come at such a, yeah. an experience on your end. But I threw it. Um, yeah, it was, I thought it was pretty beautiful. It was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being there. And thank you for expressing what you just did. And I think, I really hope anyone listening to this really hears, like, if you're a woman, like, that there will be a man, a brother, um, a father, a, a figure in your life who will support you through life's 
terrors, through life's scary parts, through times when you're really triggered, you can really lean on the masculine and trust men in your life again. Um, and that's a lot of what Brad actually helped me understand and help me heal for myself. I think that's an important point too that I would love to stress too is I think there's some bad characters out there at times that act through their own means or for their own means um, that give a bad rap to a lot of other men. Yeah. And I think that we need to celebrate that there are a lot of incredible men out there that go unnoticed and um, just unpraised. You know, there's all kinds of great fathers and and, um, bosses and mentors and friends and husbands and beyond and, you know, keep going, keep going on the list. Um, there are a lot of incredible people out there that actually serve, um, humans, women, all of us together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also the, where I get struck is the ones that really kind of, yeah. um, pry on the pry on people's beliefs. Yeah. And on their vulnerabilities on and... their vulnerabilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know, it was pretty, it was pretty wild experience for me as well because I didn't, when all this was going on, I didn't really understand what was going on personally Yeah, at the beginning. Um, so to kind of be able to be present and see this this kind of cycle from the beginning to the end um, was a, a big experience for me. And once we got to the end, I actually made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and I, like I said, I was kind of grateful to have been witness and a part of it all. Yeah. It was a pretty big moment. I mean, when he says he had to put his stuff aside, this literally happened like um, right after he'd moved in, we'd maybe spent like a few days together as roommates because we were both traveling all the time, like adventure seekers. Like I've got a lot of Sag energy. He's got a lot of Aries energy. And it was right after his birthday. Um, so he really had to put himself aside and hold space for me. And I will forever be grateful for that because it really taught me, right? Like, especially because a lot of my, the manipulation that I experienced was a man was involved. And then I could go to this, this mm-hmm. man who's my brother, who's my friend, um, who could be a safe space for me. Um, without anything else like expected. So that was really, really beautiful and profound. And so I, I hope this this moves all of you. I'm your chosen soul brother. And I yep. want to say for the record, it actually was on my birthday and I wasn't allowed to come home on my birthday <laughs> after moving it into our birthday. Crazy. <laughs> it was crazy, but actually I say that jokingly. And I do want to stress it was like it was actually probably one of the biggest building blocks uh in our time living together and even our friendship and our, you know, we call our soul um sibling um, hood that we have <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. that we have and I think that was one of the like the biggest um, foundational blocks that helped kind of build us yeah to where we are so yeah well I think like to kind of summarize like I think Brad like your experience um, is really through learning from like the big tough moments and allowing like those changes and like the changes in wind and direction and tide like to allow you to grow, to allow you to deepen, to allow you to have a deeper experience. And that's like really what your focus is as a coach, right? Because mm-hmm. you're a transitional coach and a performance coach, right? So you've had a lot of performance, extreme athleticism, like coaching people at the peak of their sport, right? So you know what performance looks like. You're an incredible athlete. And then there's also like the transition points, those taking those moments when you're literally like punched by life like literally and figuratively and allowing them to move you shape you transform you so do you want to speak a little bit about your your coaching philosophy and who you're really here to help and yeah sure i would love to i mean i'm i'm very experience based i uh i love to live in the moment and i love to see what there is to learn in every moment um and as well as to to, i always felt that it's important to try to learn from as much as uh, anyone around you as possible Mm -hmm. whether it be good or bad um, and I say, I take that hugely into my coaching. I mean, uh, my coaching, I, I 
have a few different kind of markets that I really look at into, or I'm kind of jumping into. One would be um, supporting athletes on their being part of it. So athletes, maybe if you've had an injury, you know, what is there to be learned through the injury and what can be created through the recovery time mm-hmm. that can either be brought forward to propel you for, further forward uh, in your in your sports, in your athletics, or uh, if you're going to be leaving the world of, of athletics and transitioning into the working world, what's that like? And how can you take the, some of the characteristics that really helped you made or made you successful in the athletics world and take that into the next chapter? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also big time. Uh, I'm a big dreamer. You know, I think we manifest what we, I think we, we can, we're very powerful what we can manifest. And I um, love to support humans when they are people, when they are uh, recreating their, their life and their next chapter. Um, and that can come from so many things, be it a, a loss of job, um, uh, a loss or an, an illness, an injury, um, anything that's kind of derailed you mm-hmm. or even just a dream that you've, that's always been picking away at the back of your brain that you've never actually given any time or energy to, mm-hmm. um, actually bringing that to fruition and creating that dream, creating some action steps and going after it to actually um, create what you want. Oh my God. Yes. You know, and I think this boat for me is a testament to this. I mean, I, I have always wanted to live on a boat. Yep. Um, and I, you know, for me, it wasn't going to be possible for at least 10 years from now. Yeah. You know? So let's talk about that. Cause you literally just went through your transition. Like we said, you had an injury, you became a coach, you decided to transition your role because you couldn't do physical labor anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Like physically your physio wouldn't allow it. And then, so this is the thing we were watching Brad love sailing and we were watching his roommates both like astrological tarot videos, which was my choice. Um, but he loved it. Not uh-huh. saying he didn't love it. And then we were watching Sailing La Vagabond and like this couple, this incredible couple, Riley and Elena, we love you. Sailing the world with a newborn too. Sailing all over the world across channel, like channel crossings across oceans. And Brad saying like, Sonia, this is what I want. I want to go live. I want to go coach. I want to teach people that they can live exactly how they want to live, that they can live their wildest dream while also serving people. And I want to live on a boat. And I see that happening in a couple of years. I'm like, yeah, Brad, heck yeah. And then I remember it was like this past summer, we actually went to a boat show and you're like, let's go manifest today. It was in May. Yeah. May of 2019. Yeah. And you're like, let's go manifesting. And we went, there was, I think it was around the new moon in May too. Well, we actually awesome. made to make it even better, more exciting. We actually made time for it. We actually were yes. running late and we were going to Vancouver to pick up a friend to then drive down to Seattle where I was doing my program. Sonia was joining myself and uh, our other soul sister um, who was a part of the program as well. And mm-hmm. we were already running late. And I remember driving in and saying to you and David to saying, hey, guys, you know, like, you know, there's this there's this in-water boat tour that I would really love to go to. And I wasn't going to ask because we're late. But, you know, do you think we can be even later? Yeah. <laughs> Skip the next ferry. And let's go check out this boat where you can basically walk on multi-million dollar yachts and kind of see uh, see a world that is not really in our realm at this time. Yeah. And I was like, heck yeah, because I love boating. I'm from the seaside. Brad grew up in Ontario by the lakes, like mm-hmm. sailing with his grandfather. So it was a part of his childhood and a big part of like you growing up and being led really by your masculine paternal like mm-hmm. um, lineage too. And I love boating and I've always wanted to be on a sailboat. And now we are. And so we went there and we like, I remember you taking pictures. I'm like, this is your life. Like this is going to be your life soon. And we were really manifesting it and visualizing it and actually like physically walking onto these boats and be like oh I like that one and which one do you like or I like that feature or oh like I like the way that flows and I remember you looked at a boat really similar to this one you're like this length 
this type of what's this called cabin this type of like this kind of arrangement yep, kind is of what I like I like this level of feet this type mm -hmm. of sailboat I want it to be a sailboat so that it's um, eco-friendly and that it's not using a lot of waste because it's really like a tiny home that's a tiny adventure home is what well, it is. the other thing is to me is it goes on so many levels one it's uh, an environmental standpoint yeah I love being able to align with the wind tides and currents especially where we are here yes. in this part of British Columbia there is all kinds of areas where you have to move through tiny channels in, in islands where if the wind or the current and tides are not working in your favor you're probably better off to wait because you're not going to be able to power through. Mm -hmm. um, and so just the, the whole integrity piece of aligning with mother nature and utilizing her forces to be able to get from one place to the other, mm -hmm. use harnessing the wind and current and tides. I mean, that is appealing in itself to then also the time, the, the time piece of not forcing things, mm -hmm. you know, that to know that you want to move Ooh, yeah. a, or you want to travel to a destination uh, without a time parameter on it. Yep. Because again, when you're, unless you're going to plan to motor the entire way, you can't really, it's pretty hard to predict how fast you're going to sail there. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love the surrender of that. And then you take on the other, a big thing is the aligning with mother nature is like kind of um, learning to harvest and utilize the resources that we have from the water mm -hmm. and being a little bit more self-sustainable and actually being able to kind of um, feed myself within my own means mm -hmm. uh, while being powered by solar and wind is uh, a dream that I, you know, it was more of a fantasy than a dream, really. You thought it would take years. And I literally yeah. moved away from here in September and you got a boat in November? Yeah, beginning of November I moved on. And we yeah. were looking at all these, like in May we did the manifestation. So it was, yeah, six months. Like pretty yeah. cool, a six-month turnaround. And you thought it would be at least two years, like a while. Oh, even long. Yeah, I didn't even know if two years was reasonable. Yeah, totally. yeah. I had all these uh, these other things that had to, all these other boxes that had to be ticked before I even thought, of, thought I'd be even able to enter the realm of thinking about buying a boat. Yeah. And here we are. We made dinner the other day. We're having tea on your boat. We're recording this podcast here. You've got pictures of your nieces and nephews yeah. behind us. I mean, you're living it. And how does that feel? It's incredible. And I think that's a testament to sometimes not forcing the issue. I mean, when we did live ways, I touched on it earlier, when we parted ways from our house, um, I literally was, I knew I wanted to live alone for a bit and I knew I wanted to really focus on my, my coaching practice and I needed a space that was conducive to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and for me that meant living alone. And when I looked yeah. at rental rent, when I was looking at all the different rental options I had one, I wasn't, I didn't want to pay the prices that, you know, the prices of rent that it was. Alone here. It is. And I also, the places that I was looking at, I wasn't super excited about. Yeah. Um, and so it took about a month and a half or so for even the idea of living on a sailboat to come up. And yeah, I think actually my brother was a big culprit of it is he, um, he actually kind of sent me a photo of a sailboat half joke and they said, Hey, you know, he's always known I'm nomadic and free. And I like to kind of blaze my own trails in a lot of ways. And he said, Hey, why don't you get a sailboat? And I kind of laughed. I was like, you know, that's my dream for 10 years from now. Yeah. And so I decided to actually take a step forward and actually I'm like, you know what, what does this actually look like? What does it actually cost to live on a boat mm -hmm. here in Victoria? Mm hmm. And so I did some research and I found actually that it was actually a lot more attainable to actually, if you could find, if you can find a slip, <laughs> it's a lot more attainable and affordable to live on a boat than I had once thought yeah. it was. Um, yeah. And then that's just your general, like your month to month fees, not necessarily to buy the boat, but I thought it was, it became a lot more realistic. And then, so I, we started kind of looking at some boats and then sure. One thing left, one thing led to another and I found the boat or what I thought my, my, were my dreams. And I put an offer in on it. Um, on the, I put an offer on the Friday, on the Friday, Saturday, I felt like I had the boat 
and on the Sunday I kind of had a different a shift and I kind of thought, well, you know what? I don't, I don't know if this is a boat for me, if it is great. And if it isn't, I, I trust that there's going to be another boat that's more mm. suited for me. Mm. And it, you know, the other part of this journey for me in this, with the coaching, um, the masking, all of it is trusting in the process yeah, and being willing to part with your expectations. And for mm. me, that parting of the expectation of buying that boat and knowing that whether I, if I got it, it was going to be great. And if I didn't, something better was around the corner. And sure enough, as fate would have it, I didn't get the boat. And I went back to the, the, the place where I was looking at the boats and looked at another boat that I've walked by three times and then looked at the ad online and didn't even entertain this thing. Like this thing wasn't a boat that I wanted. It wasn't a boat for me. Yeah. I went and saw this boat at night uh, under the, the lights. And I said to myself, oh my God, how did I walk by this thing? This is the boat of my dreams. This is the expedition vessel I have always been looking for. Mm -hmm. And then so sure enough, I called my um, the um, the salesman and I said, hey, listen, you know, I, I don't think this is really going to be the boat for me as we talked about, but I want to I want to step in this boat. Mm -hmm. And then so once I stepped on this boat that I'm currently living on, yeah. I got down below and I said, oh, my God, this is the boat. This yeah. is the boat for me. Yeah. And then so we started working through putting together a deal. And eventually this is this is the boat that we're sitting on. This is the boat that I bought. Mm -hmm. And but that even that journey and being able to release my expectations and let go of things that were out of my control and just permit the process, um, I feel landed me on on the perfect boat. I honestly am yeah. ecstatic. I mean, this yeah, the history of this boat, everything is uh, is exactly even the, the wooden like it's such a gorgeous warm feel. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with wood my entire life. Like the, every part of this boat, I'm just I, I you know I, I actually jokingly say half the time the only thing that's that I struggle with this boat is nine times out of 10 when I come home after a day's, uh, a day's work, I generally get more excited and have a hard time shutting down to go to bed because I'm so, so excited in my life living on a boat. Yeah. So the problem, problem is that he loves it so much. Can't <laughs> sleep. I love you so much, baby. <laughs> so it's been, yeah, it's that in itself was just kind of a, a it's been, it's been fun. It's amazing. I got to come here for the first time this, like since I moved out, like the last time I was here, Brad was helping me move away back home to Calgary and then coming back here and being able to stay like my first night in Victoria on your boat. As soon as I stepped in, I was like, this is Brad's home. Like this is, it feels like a cabin. It's like custom woodworking, custom made, like custom carvings on the edges. And he's like a woodworker. He's a carpenter. Like that's his love as well. So it's just like when you, you know, when you come into someone's home or you just see something for them, that's like, yes, this is so you. And I can't wait to sail. And I can't wait for you to keep learning. It's just going to be like a continuous ride. And I can't wait for you to coach and like live and travel everywhere mm -hmm. on this boat and to inspire other people um, to do the same, to live their adventure and to live their greatest life and to flow and have an eagle vision, but then allow themselves to be led and, and, and surrender and trust on the journey so they can come to even greater expectations than ever. If I would have told you back in August that you'd be living on a boat by the next time I came back to Victoria, I think you would have thought I was absolutely nuts. Like absolutely like, okay, Sonia, like that's in the realm of possibilities, but like, I don't think it's going to be true. And it's your reality. And, um, I'm so excited for you. So why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you and how they can work with you and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, absolutely. And I just kind of want to throw in there. I, I think this boat and everything coming to be is a big integrity piece for my coaching. Um, mm -hmm. And it's what I want to do with others. I want to help them create uh, options that aren't necessarily on the table and foreseen yeah. and create options that are a bit obscure and that actually are in alignment with how they want to live their lives 
and how they want to show up in the world. And mm-hmm. to me, this is, this is a huge piece of how, what I want to give back to others and partner with others. And the fact that I'm actually living that while doing that um, is, is exactly, is beyond what my expectations yeah. and my hopes were. Oh, hell yeah. There's so much integrity mm-hmm. in that, right? Like as a coach, there's always that integrity piece where you don't want to lead someone or like coach someone to do something that you're not willing to do yeah. yourself. And you're living in your highest integrity and your full authenticity, living the life you want out of your typical, normal, practical expectations. You've created mm-hmm. it defiant of the odds or like defiant of what was, you know, considered even reasonable. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what you can help others create. And I'm just so excited for you. Like there's nothing better than that internal integrity and alignment and then offering that for others as an example. And as like a coach is just so power. I think the big thing too, is I also just kind of want to quickly throw in there is that learning to adjust to living in a tiny home um, has also come with a lot of learning curves and a Mm -hmm. lot of resistance. I'm a huge cook. I love to cook. Mm -hmm. I'm parting with all my kitchen gadgets and just even learning how to pack the boat, how to move around, how to, when I take something out, I have to put it back. And, um, yeah. you know, even learning to when I would walk away from my home and my boat's not locked anything, it's just tied to a dock. I mean, someone literally could come and undo my boat and take off with my entire life. Yeah. You know, there's been so, such a, it's also been such a massive learning curve yes. um, that I, I totally embrace and excited about all of it. Um, but that's also the big piece for me that it's, that it's, it's been a huge adjustment and adjustment that I want. And it's a work in progress. Yeah. It's something I'm excited to be. It's exciting. Of, so. It's so exciting. Like just the level of adjustment mm-hmm. required and learning, right? Lifelong learning is so key. So tell people how to get a hold of you, how to coach with Brad. Absolutely. Brad the Brave as, you're, mm-hmm. as you are in my phone. Thank you. Well, there's a number of ways. I'm, uh, I'm happy to provide my phone number. Are we best to say it or... Um, yeah, so we can it put bottom. it in the show notes. So we'll put Brad's phone number in the show yeah. notes. You can call Brad if you want Brad's yeah. number. Um, also, like your Instagram is yeah. awesome because that's where you're sharing about the boat and your stories. And Absolutely. Your Facebook too. Yeah, my Facebook. So my name is Brad Eats on Facebook. Um, Eats is E A D E S, and then my Instagram handle is the same, just reverse. So it's Eats underscore Brad. Very yeah. creative, I know. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can find me on both those as well as my email is a great way to, to um, reach me, uh, which is again, Brad Eads, all one word, all lowercase uh, with 313 at gmail.com. So it's Brad Eads 313 at gmail.com is my mm-hmm. email. Cool. And I will put all of that in the show notes below. Mm-hmm. You can also DM me if you want to get it, Brad, and I will connect you and hook you up because he's an incredible coach, an incredible man. Ask him anything about sailing, surfing, making amazing uh, food. He's boat amazing food. boat food, <laughs> food in general. He's amazing cook um, about coaching and living your best life. Thank you so much, Brad. This has been an epic conversation. I feel like people really got to know you. They got to know aspects of what divine masculinity and transformed um, like a man who's transformed and dedicated his life to transformation and empowering others looks like. And you've also gotten to know me even better, which is what this podcast is also about is I'm always sharing more of myself and I've shared, you know, a person that I consider part of my family with you. So please, please, please share with me what you got from this episode, what your number one takeaway is, um, and share with me and Brad what the next adventure you want to go on is. So send us a DM post on our latest posts on Instagram, what adventure you want to go on. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Shakti Waves Radio. Satnam.
May the long time sun shine upon you. All love surround you and the pure light within you guide your way.